Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. In February 1848, a Chesapeake Bay waterman and boat captain by the name of Daniel Drayton was in Philadelphia looking for work. In business, Drayton seldom got things right, and when he did, ran into bad luck. But on this day, an abolitionist offered him a few hundred dollars to take a boat into the nation's capital and pick up a handful of slaves who wanted to escape. It was a risky venture, but Drayton needed the money. So it was that on the night of Saturday, April 15, 1848, his ship, the Pearl, crept past the Washington wharves to a lonely place on the Potomac where the river's high banks protected him from view. Between the ship and the city was a wide extent of open field. In the dark, shadows began to glide across those fields toward the schooner. He had expected a handful of fugitives, but by 10 o'clock he knew many more had come aboard, 76 in all. Drayton made ready to sail. Alas, he had not checked the tides. Drayton cast off only to find himself with no wind and the tide running upriver against him. The Pearl sat all night in the Potomac in full view of everyone. At dawn, as the wind rose and she finally slipped past the city, residents were waking up to cold fireplaces and empty Sunday breakfast tables, their servants nowhere in sight. Shouts of alarm echoed in the streets. Someone organized a posse. A black hack driver, resentful that one of the fugitives had not paid him a quarter for carrying her belongings to the ship, told them about the Pearl. Within hours, the posse was aboard a steamer plowing down the Potomac in pursuit. When the Pearl reached Point Lookout at the mouth of the Potomac, a sharp wind drove it into nearby Cornfield Harbor for the night. Unfortunately, Cornfield Harbor was well known to mariners as a place to stop for a game of poker or wait out a storm, and in hours the steamer found them. Angry slaveholders boarded the Pearl. One lashed at Drayton with a long knife, but missed. As they bound him and locked the fugitives in the hold, the man waved the knife in Drayton's face and snarled how much he'd like to have his hands into his guts a little while. All the way back to Washington, they threatened and interrogated Drayton. So many fugitives. This was a monstrous escape. Who had led it? Who had organized it? That, said the waterman quietly, was something they'd never know. A mob, some in it brandishing knives, met them at the docks and followed the posse to the jail. The whites, Drayton and his crew, were put in cells. Blacks went to the jail yard to await the inevitable, sailed to New Orleans where cultivated house slaves, especially attractive young women, conferred status and brought high prices. Slave traders from all over Maryland and Virginia converged on the city to see what opportunities lay at hand. For the next few days, Washington resembled a smaller version of Paris in the French Revolution, as pro-slavery mobs controlled the streets and gathered on the steps of public buildings. Certain that abolitionists were behind the escape, they threatened one anti-slavery editor with tar and feathers. One of the mob asked a New York congressman standing by the editor, Are you an abolitionist? I am, the New Yorker shot back. Taking off his coat and thumping his hickory cane, he added, What are you going to do about it? It didn't stop there. No one was tarred and feathered, and no one murdered. But the case swelled to majestic proportions, and important people got involved. Philip Barton Key, son of Francis Scott Key, headed the prosecution that sent Daniel Drayton to prison to become a celebrity and to ponder what might have happened if he'd only checked the tides. Political leaders debated, threatened, postured, and fought over slavery in the Senate and House of Representatives. And what are the slaves, who had brought all this about by organizing one of the largest escapes in history, one that no one discovered except by betrayal and the ineptness of Daniel Drayton? They were taken to New Orleans and sold, forever separated from their families and never to be heard from again.